Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from the Meeting House program on Faith Radio about a variety of topics including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. First, you'll be hearing from comedian Michael Jr. He's done stand-up comedy, has been featured in a movie within the last year, and now has written his first book consisting of some of the backstories of material that he has delivered on stage. Also, Gary Thomas has been encouraging people to grow spiritually for quite some time and to direct couples in growing together in the Lord. He's been in the process of updating some of his content. You'll hear him share some meaningful Christ-centered principles. And on this edition of The Intersection, Steve Grissom of Grief Share has observations about the effect of the dramatic death toll from COVID-19 and how people can experience comfort and healing from the Holy Spirit. Finally, Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls relates some observations on women in stress and provides insight into the effect of stress and anxiety on adolescent young ladies, highlighting the need for a savior. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House, and I'm Bob Crittenden. Michael Jr. is a well-known Christian comedian. He has written his first book entitled Funny How Life Works. In it, he shares some of the background of some of the stories that have made audiences laugh and speaks about the work of God in his life. He talked with me recently, and from that Meeting House conversation, this is Michael Jr. I had never read a book before. (laughs) Okay. Figured, you know what? If I write it, maybe I'll read it. No, no, it's uh, I, I just really felt like there was some like I get a lot of people come to my live events and I've been, been doing these movies and stuff, but even with the jokes, like when I've uh, there's a one joke in particular that I did on the, the first time I did the Tonight Show where I'm where I go jogging and it's a white lady comes out in front of me and she's jogging in front of me and then she looks back and she starts jogging faster, so I look back too. Now, I didn't see anything back there. But I figure if this white lady's scared of it, I'm scared of it too. So I started jogging faster. So now we're both running down the street. She's clearly running from me. I'm running from whatever the boogeyman is behind me. I do this joke on the Tonight Show. Jay Leno calls it a classic. 12 million people cry laughing. It's a, it's a great experience. But nobody really understood the real story behind that situation that turned into a joke. And how that story could actually be applied in everyone's life to make it actually, uh, to make things work out better for them. Like the things that I've learned in between the jokes are really, really impactful in a really cool way. And some of it is funny, but then I also share in the book a story about a uh, about when the police put a gun to my, came to my apartment wrongfully, put a gun to my head, cocked the hammer back. And I talk about how, and at the end of that story, I know it sounds really traumatic right now, but at the end of it is actually a pretty awesome, amazing like it was one of the, it, it was just a great situation for me to be in, which sounds crazy. So I, I would tell my friends some of these stories and they'd be like, this is amazing. And I prayed about it. And I felt like God was like, this should be a book. You, you need to write it down and make it plain so others can run with what you're saying. I think God obviously made us all different colors on purpose. And I think it's almost like a checkpoint, meaning God has something amazing that he wants for people, but he creates these things that really don't matter much, like the difference, the way somebody looks or how they grew up. And if you can't get past that, then you're not really ready for what God has for you to the fullest. You're still going to be at the same checkpoint. It's like a video game. If you get past a certain checkpoint, you get more access to more things. But if you, if you can't get past that first checkpoint, you're just going to continue on in the circle that you are, have always been in. 
So I do jokes all the time. Like I'm, I know I'm African American, but I always talk about how, like, some some of my best friends are black, which is hysterical because most of the time white people say, "Well, my best friends are black." No, no, really. So I I find it funny, and the the key part even about the racism thing, man, is people have to ask themselves. Like I told this one girl who had some some racist issues. It was actually a black girl. She had some against white people, and she has two kids. She's a single mom. And I said to her, I said, okay, let's say you're in a house and your kids, you got your little baby with you, but your six-year-old is outside. She's somewhere and she's in danger. And in the room with you is a Christian, a black person, and a white person. And you know for sure that all of these people are absolutely that, a black person, a white person, and a Christian. And your six-year-old is in pain and hurting right now. And you have to give your your uh your baby, your seven-month-old baby to somebody instantly so you can go. Who are you going to give it to? Like instantly, you got to make a decision. Who are you going to give it to? And she said, the Christian. I said, why would you give it to the Christian? She said, I don't know. I just, I feel like that would be the right thing to do. I said, what color was the Christian? She said, I don't know. I said, so you didn't give it to the black person or the white, you just found the Christian? I said, so it, when it mattered most, you didn't look at their color. When it mattered the most, you never even considered it. She said, I didn't. I said, so why would you consider it any other time? And because some people really, they think they want justice, but what they really are after is just us. And there's a huge difference. If you really want equality, are you really trying to make things equal for everyone? Or are you just trying to make things better for just us? And I'm talking to both sides. Man, listen, the book mm. has some funny stuff in it. I just want to say that. Right now, we didn't jump into nothing funny, <laughs> but it's called Funny How Life Works because we actually use comedy to help people understand how life works. It's just that I know that the people listening to this station understand that it's about going a little deeper. Comedy is just the seasoning for the meal that God wants me to give to people. So we're able to have a little bit of the meat today. Yo, as a teaser, though, there's one chapter in the book where a dude comes to my show and afterwards tracks me down in my green room and uh, tells me that he is a fugitive of the law. And because he came to my comedy show, he now wants me to, he wants me to help turn him into the authorities because he wants to get his life right. Michael Jr. here on The Intersection. You can find him online at Michael Jr. That's MichaelJR.com. Next up on this edition of The Intersection, it's Gary Thomas, writer in residence at Houston's Second Baptist Church. In our recent conversation, he shared information relative to updated versions of three books that he has written, A Lifelong Love, The Sacred Search, and Nine Essential Conversations Before You Say I Do. With some insight now, this is Gary Thomas. Almost always, Bob, it's about making them a little bit shorter. Uh, (laughs) Just in, in a world of blog posts and quick articles, to be honest, the attention span keeps getting shorter. The books aren't that old. I believe uh, Lifelong Love came out in 2014, Sacred Search just a year or two after that. So they've done well, but getting the feedback from people, the one for singles, one for married, just just refocusing it. The Nine Essential Conversations, um, it's the book I use for premarital counseling, and I've gone through many more premarital counseling using the old book and was just able to tighten up some of the questions and refocus some of the content. So it really isn't about breaking new ground for me with these rewritings. It was really more about focusing, shortening, concentrating. So it would just be in 
perhaps a little bit easier package to digest. All right. I'm going to, I'm testing my own memory. And I know you can answer this question very, very simply, but perhaps if someone were to do word association, someone were to say Gary Thomas, they would perhaps say sacred marriage. Have you touched that one? I did actually okay. uh, some years back and not that long, just a, a few years back, but it was a delight to do that again. There was some shortening involved, but but focusing the message when the subtitle is what if God designed marriage to make us holy more than to make us happy? You know, it does become a bit of a controversy in some circles. So mm. what I had was an opportunity to sort of address those that were trying to push back in this way or that and just be clear about what I, I really meant. But I've, I've been pleased at how well they held up. And it affects me writing going forward, to be honest. If you mention contemporary people, um, like when I was writing books earlier, General Schwarzkopf, at the time I wrote it, everybody in the country knew who he was because he fought such an mm. important battle. Yep. Today, anybody under 40 is who? They, they, they've never heard of him. Uh, and, and so it is amazing how quickly pop culture references can go out. Tell me about the components that you see yeah. that contribute to that love and to use the, the line from so many marriage vows, till death do us part. Well, both of those words of the title are important, lifelong and love. You want both for that. And I'm speaking as one who's looking at his 37th wedding anniversary coming up. Congratulations. <laughs> really, I see three legs to that stool of a lifelong love. The first one is spiritual intimacy, which often I don't think gets enough attention. The reality is that no human being can keep us enthralled for 50 or 60 years. We're, we're just not fascinating enough. I mean, five or six dates, we can put up a front, five or six years, we can kind of get along, but you won't make it 50 or 60 because we were created to be in a relationship with God and to be used by God. And if we're living a small life, a selfish life, focused on our own pleasure, our own comfort, our own feelings, we're naturally going to become dissatisfied as a result of God's kindness to us. He created us for so much more. And if we're settling for less, he's not going to let us be satisfied in that. And so many of us, rather than doubling down on spiritual intimacy, think, well, my marriage has run its course. I need to get infatuated with someone else and start over again. So we smother our marriages if we're not pursuing spiritual intimacy and understanding how spiritual intimacy gives life to our marriages. So we don't get bored in our marriages, but in fact, we get more excited as the years go by. The second leg is relational intimacy. And here's where I talk about that building a marriage isn't like planting a tree that organically grows. I mean, at first you water it and you protect it from the deer and you might even fertilize it. And then after a couple of years, you just forget about it and it just grows. I, I think marriage is far more like building a brick house. You build brick by brick. And if you stop building that house anywhere along the way, it doesn't finish itself. And so some people have been married for 15 years with about five years of intentional relational intimacy. They don't know what it means, how to grow together. The third leg is something, again, I don't read much about called devotional intimacy, and that is understanding what does it mean to love, to live mm -hmm. a life of love, to aspire after mastering the ability to love. And I think all three of those things, spiritual intimacy, relational intimacy, and devotional intimacy are essential for us to get the most out of our marriages. They help us grow as people. 
They help us grow together. They help us grow spiritually. And I think ultimately, Bob, they lead to a life of greater happiness. Gary Thomas here on The Intersection. You can find him online at GaryThomas.com. This is The Intersection Podcast. It's a weekly production of The Meeting House, and you can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or by going to the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on The Intersection Podcast. The podcast is available in the Media Center as well as iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. There's also The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House program. Links to both those blogs can be found through the Meeting House homepage. Also, you can access video content. You can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Conversations from the Meeting House program can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Learn more when you visit the Meeting House homepage. Well, I had a chance recently to talk with the founder and president of Church Initiative, the parent ministry of Grief Share, Steve Grissom. In our conversation, he discussed the ministry of Grief Share and highlighted specific challenges and opportunities during the COVID-19 pandemic. Here now is Steve Grissom. The need for Grief Share uh, has caused us to be on the lookout. We're trying to recruit thousands of new churches to help us minister to the need. And I'll do some quick math with you to underscore the challenge and the problem. So with 550,000 deaths, uh, if we were doing funerals normally, you know that the attendance of funerals can vary depending on the person and how well they're known. But how many people would gather at the bedside of a typical person if they knew they were saying goodbye Mm. and watching that person slip into eternity? Well, there's actually some research on that, and the number's about nine or ten. So if you take that and multiply it against the number of people that have been lost because of COVID, we have five and a half million additional grievers this year compared to a normal year. And so we we have an urgent need to come alongside churches and get grief share groups up and running to minister to these extra grievers. Mm. Uh, That's just a huge number. And grief, grief goes on for a year, two years. It's a long-term need as the world is beginning to have a little more optimism and turn back to normal. Uh, That's not true for grievers. That grief will continue for months and months and months and months. And we need to be there week in, week out, ministering to these these hurting souls. Tell me just a bit about the principles in general that are shared in a grief share group. Well, you're right about, you know, we've been talking about grieving going long term. So one of the things that happens is a person who comes to a grief share group will often go through two or three 13-week cycles 
because as they go through their healing, they're hearing different things, they're experiencing different emotions, and so it's constantly a new experience. Uh, I'll also mention that it's designed so that you can join at any time. If you if you come in on week six of the program, each session is freestanding and designed to stand alone, and you will be welcomed, and, and there will be people that will will be there and ready to greet you, whether it's online or in person, and, and walk you through connecting with the group. But we talk about things like the emotions of grief, uh, anxiety, uh, loss, loneliness, fear, guilt, did I do something that contributed to my loved one's loss? Had I gone to this doctor instead of that doctor and tried to get help for a medical problem, would that have made a difference? All of these emotions that come at a person who's grieving, what do I do now? Why did this happen? There's often a real sense, sometimes anger at God. And that's normal, and we help people understand that and work through that. Uh, how do I deal with practical matters? Um, dealing with rebuilding my life, do I have to relocate? Do I have to change my residency? Uh, relationships around me are changing. We were a friend as a couple if, if you lost a spouse, and now... I sort of feel like a fifth wheel, you know, that we, there was this group of couple, couples and now I'm not a couple anymore and I have a new identity. How do I find my new identity? And most importantly, how, how do I heal? How do I get past the emptiness? How do I regain hope? How do I rebuild my life? And underlying all of that, uh, we point to the spiritual foundation, how healing and wholeness comes through God's presence in your life. And we show you how to connect those dots and how to find the healing that comes through God and a relationship with Jesus Christ. Steve Grissom here on The Intersection. You can learn more through the website griefshare.org. Finally, on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's the founder and executive director of American Heritage Girls, Patty Garibay, who provided an update on the ministry and commented on the effect of stress and anxiety on young girls. She also provided information on a Raising Godly Girls Guide to Fear and Anxiety in Uncertain Times. From that recent conversation, here now is Patty Garibay. It has been a difficult thing. I mean, when you consider what we do is Christ-centered scouting that is chartered through churches and schools. And guess what? Churches and schools, in the large part, have been closed. It's been a difficult thing for churches and schools. And so, therefore, it's been difficult for American Heritage Girls troops to meet. But the good news is the spring has brought with it an opening of sorts to many of our troops. And they're able to reassemble, re um, reconnect, reignite um, really their vision for the impact that they want to have in their community. So things are on the upswing. It has been a long desert time, but I believe the Lord has brought refreshment in the desert 
and uh, we're on a whole new trajectory. I'm excited about the future. Well, that's awesome. And this conversation, of course, taking place during the month of April, it has been dubbed Stress Awareness Month. I think that perhaps some people might agree that over the past year or so that every month could be (laughs) so labeled as Stress Awareness Month. But it's so important, and especially for believers in Christ, to really examine some of the things that can cause fear and anxiety in our lives and take biblical steps so that we can address those in our lives. And this is a, a topic that affects whether it be adults or teenagers. Of course, you deal with a lot of young girls through American Heritage Girls. How do you find, especially in teens and those that may be younger than that particular age group, how do stress and anxiety affect them? Wow. Well, does it ever, first of all, it's real, mm. it's, it's, it's true, and there are very few girls that actually don't, are not affected by it. a matter of fact, this was before the pandemic, this study was done in 2018, and it was a, one of the national core morbidity studies that said that 32% of all adolescents have a diagnosed anxiety disorder. Wow. That's diagnosed. That's one third of all adolescents, and that's pre-pandemic. So we know that that number has only risen and that girls and boys are experiencing extreme anxiety. And most of that anxiety, of course, springs from fear. Now, we know as believers, over 500 times in Scripture does the Lord address the word fear. It is truly his four-letter word. He doesn't want us to have fear. He tells us. That it is, we need to trust in him, that he is the, the, the place where we can find peace and solace and reduce and release our anxiety. And so what American Heritage Girls has done is because we believe in raising godly girls, we've been doing it for 25 years, we have decided to expand our reach to all families that are looking for tools in their toolbox to raise up girls in the way they should go whether or not they're involved in an American Heritage Girls troop, which is ultimately great because they get this continued kinds of um, affirmation and encouragement and biblical counsel. But even if you're not an American Heritage Girls, checking out American Heritage Girls Raising Godly Girls blog will give you topics that you may be interested in as a parent. For instance, anxiety, fear, Um, FOMO, fear of missing out. Hmm. All these things that are addressing our kids today are being addressed on this blog. But what I'm really excited about, Bob, is our free ebook download. And it is, as you mentioned in the um, earlier part of our interview, the Raising Godly Girls Guide to Fear and Anxiety. And in this booklet, you're going to love it. It's scriptural call to action. I mean, the Lord, he's gone before us, right? And he has given us the life instruction book through his words. And here we have so many scriptural references, as well as devotional questions that you can use around your kitchen table, or if you want to do in a one-on-one setting with your daughter, to ask them different questions like, you know, are there, is there anything in your life that triggers fear and anxiety? And if so, how does it affect you? Live your everyday life. Now, how often do we talk to our kids about that? Probably not often enough, but these devotional questions will help us conversations to talk about this real life issue that is affecting over 30%. I think it's almost 50, if not more, 
Bob, in our girls and boys adolescents today. Patty Garibay here on The Intersection. You can find out more by visiting the website AmericanHeritageGirls.org. Well, we are about to wrap up this week's edition of The Intersection Podcast, the weekly production of The Meeting House. You can find out more through MeetingHouseOnline.info or by visiting the programming section at FaithRadio.org. Through that homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center. That's where you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the podcast. There's also a link to the Media Center where you can find the Intersection Podcast and a link to iTunes. There is a free feed for the Intersection Podcast there. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter at Access The Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's a link to video content. Again, the website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Thanks for joining me for this week's edition of The Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.